Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. We've got a big weekend ahead next weekend. And again, it can't be done without you. You are the key. Our goal, our desire is to saturate our community with the gospel. And in a two-hour period, we want to hang 12,000 door hangers. It's not going to require any conversation. It's just going to require some effort. And we're asking you to join in and make Saturday... Make it historical here. And we did 11,000 some last year. We want to do 12,000. Let's make it the biggest handout ever in the history of Community Baptist Temple. And let's just go ahead and make history next Saturday. So be a part of that. And then following that, at 12.15, we're going to be meeting down here for a, a light lunch and an opportunity to fellowship and to maybe share some war stories and get a good time there. But uh, you may not be able to stay long. I, I understand that. But... If you could be here at 9.30 and then at 12.15 we'll meet down there for our, our food and for some fellowship. And like I say, if you want to stick around, you can and we'll have a time of fellowship there. But it's going to be an awesome time. We want you to be a part of it. We can't do it without you. And so we're asking you to join in and give us a hand. All right, let's go ahead and uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. The Bible says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses... Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily does so easily beset us. Let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus and the author and finisher of our faith. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. To set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Everyone in the world exhibits some degree of faith. Everyone does. Everyone exhibits to some degree faith in someone or something, it's just a reality. There isn't a person alive that doesn't. Someone says, I have no faith. That's not true at all. You have faith. The question is, in who or what? But everybody has faith. The difference is the object of that faith. That's the difference. Who or what do you have faith in today? Everybody has it. The question is, who or what is it in? In our passage, we're exhorted to look unto Jesus. In chapter 12, verse 2, it says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. When it's all said and done, our faith must be rooted in Christ. All other objects will either burn up or pass away. The Bible tells us in 2 Peter 3.10, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heaven shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, the earth also, and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Tonight, it's a reality that some put their faith in money. Some put their faith in money. 
twenties and fives and hundreds and fifties. They put their faith in money. In money and possessions. That's just a reality. And yet the Bible tells us that in the end they'll all be burned up. They'll all end up simply ashes. 1 Timothy 6.17, the Bible says, Charge them that are rich in this world, that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. May I say to you today, there's not one person in this room that is not rich compared to those people that they visited down there in Philadelphia. There's not one person in this room that is not rich compared to somebody over there in the Philippines over there in Manila, driving around through that town. There's nobody that's not rich in this room compared to those people down in Mexico or in South America today or those that we find over in Africa somewhere living in huts. Let me tell you tonight, there's nobody in this room that is not biblically considered rich tonight. Oh, it's easy to look at that passage and say, oh yeah, the LeBron Jameses and the, the, you know, uh, those, um, men that have huge companies and are CEOs of businesses that make millions of dollars a year. They're rich. I'm going to tell you something. They're rich, but so are you. You've got your television set and you've got your carpet and you've got your house and you've got your TVs and you've got your cars and you've got your education and you've got all of those things. Don't tell me for one minute compared to those that lived in Bible days that walked with sandals on their feet on the dusty trails of Galilee. Don't tell me compared to those men, those women, we wouldn't be considered rich. We have everything that a king had back in the day. He's talking to you tonight and he's talking to me. And he's saying tonight, he says, preacher, charge them that are rich in this world. And you're rich tonight. If you want to, you can stop and get a hamburger at McDonald's. I don't know of one Mexican down in Mexico that I ran into down there that could pay that money to do that. You're rich and so am I. Preacher, charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God. Don't tell me we can't trust in uncertain riches because we're not rich enough. People today, if we're not careful, we trust in something. Money and possession sometimes. Some place their faith in people. Some place their faith in people. Put not your trust in princes, nor in the Son of Man, in whom there is no help. You know what the problem is? Okay, we're coming up here. Let me, let me tell you. Let me show you what the problem is with putting your faith in people. I'm going to illustrate as simply as I can. Lay down on your back and cross your arms over your chest. That's what happens to people. There it is, right there. That's what happens to people. Well, I'm trusting in my husband or my wife. That's, that's where it ends up, right there. Amen. You're all alone. One day, you're all alone. I'm trusting in, in, in this or that or, or the, the, my family. That, my family is what matters. My kids, I'm investing my life in my kids. That's where it ends up, right there. Some of you know what it is to lose a child even before you go. That's a horrible thing. It's a tragedy. 
My heart breaks to even think about losing one of my children. But I know one thing without a doubt. There's no guarantee that that won't be the outcome. Thank you, Caleb. That's what happens when we put our faith in people. And the truth is, people aren't no different than this next one. Some place their faith in self. Well, I ain't going to trust in nobody. I'm not going to put my faith in anyone but me. I know what I'll do, and I know what I can count on as far as I'm concerned. No, no, you don't. First of all, you don't know what's going to happen to you tomorrow. Self will let you down and fail you every time. Age will catch up to you. Health will be lost. You'll be, you, if you, you are so limited, and I am so limited in our knowledge and in our abilities and in our power. A trusting self? You're just a person. That means that one day you could end up failing yourself. You could end up being in a wheelchair somewhere at a nursing home, unable to even, you may not even know who you are. Trusting yourself? Is that really the way you want to live your life? Listen, life is not as nice as it appears when you're 20 years old with all your health. Things don't get better along the way usually. A lot of times they get worse, physically at least. A lot of times there's more problems that accompany life as you grow older because you know more people and have grown so close to others and you're, you have so many more relationships and when those people hurt, you hurt with them. When you're young, you have just yourself and your immediate family. Someone passes away down the road. Someone goes down the street, ends up going uh, to the hospital. It's not that big a deal. You're not associated. You're not tied to them. You have no real emotional attachment. Boy, as you get older, you begin to get attached to more people. And pretty soon, the people you're attached to seem to have more problems because their health is waxing and waning, their families are growing older, and their children are making decisions, and everybody seems to be running into some walls. Boy, I'll tell you what's hard. Sometimes. Boy, I don't want to trust in myself. And I don't want to trust in people. And I certainly don't want to trust in possessions and money. Now let me say this though. This is the real fallacy here. Christians sometimes give the impression that trusting in money doesn't work. It does work. Why are people satisfied then when we go to the door? I don't need church. I don't need Christ. Because money's working for them. Possessions are working for them. Trusting people is working for them right now. Now, wait a second. Don't look at me like I'm crazy here. Why, if it wasn't working, would everybody be so satisfied? It's working for them in this life. And the devil's good at just giving them enough to believe somehow that it's all right, that it's good enough. Even God's people fall into this trap. Somehow believing that their, their, their trust is well placed. That their actions are certainly supporting themselves. That they're making good decisions. Because look at the outcome. Things are moving smoothly. Things are going well. Me and my husband are getting along. And my family is doing well. And our finances are okay. And our, 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 our future is looking secure. And our job is steady. I think things are going just fine. What are you trusting in? If it's those things, they're working. It's working. It's working for now. It may seem to be working just fine for the moment. In this life, money, possessions, people, and even self may suffice. Here's the real issue, though. What about the next life? 
You know, we spend so much time talking about this life today. We preach about it all the time. Well, your marriage, let me give you five steps on how to fix your marriage from the Word of God. Let me give you four steps on how to take, take care of a wayward child. Let me give you eight steps on how to deal with your addiction. Let me, it's all about felt needs. It's all about what we're going through. We act as though this is what life is really about. But when you read this book and when you really start to get closer to the Lord, you realize something. Life is not about today. It's about tomorrow. Oh, it looks like it's going well right now, but wait a second. There is another life after this. Those objects may seem to be working for now, but in the next life, they won't be there to lean on. They won't be there to supply. They won't be there to provide. They won't be there to protect and support us. They won't be there. Listen, you say, well, my family will be there, but they won't be there to support you. No, that's not how it works. You won't be married like you're married on earth. And things won't be exactly as they are here on earth. The only one you better have your faith in, and the only one you better be trusting in, is the only one that will be there in the end for you, Jesus Christ. Looking unto Jesus. Again, the sad reality is that if we're not careful as believers tonight, we can be deceived into placing our faith into that which is temporal. That which is one day going to be burned up or that which will pass away. I believe it's just a downright tragedy. When a wife or a husband loses a spouse and they throw God out the window. You know what they had done their whole life? They thought they were trusting Christ, but they weren't. Now, I'm not saying they're not going to have a hard time for a while. And they may not be tempted to be angry with God and shake their fist and be upset. I'm not talking about grieving. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a year later. Where in the world are they? You were Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night while your spouse was alive. God permitted them to go to heaven. Permitted them to go to heaven. And you're angry at God to the point where you throw God out the window. I'm trying to wonder. I'm wondering who were you really trusting in all along. Well, preachers aren't allowed to talk like that today. I'm going to tell you something. That's called life. And that's called the reality of the Christian life. You don't see Christians stepping out of the work of God simply because God chose to do something sovereign. He has every right to do as he pleases. It's not always easy. But hold on. My question, the the litmus test is where am I at six months from now after something goes down in my life? When something goes bad in my life or when things aren't working out the way I'd like them to, I lose my job. Do I throw in the towel for God? Was it really God that I was trusting or was it in my job? If it takes me out of church and I throw my hands in the air and say, I don't know, it didn't work. What didn't work, God or the job? See, that just proves who we're trusting in. It wasn't God. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 7, the Bible tells us, For we brought nothing into this world. It is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us be therewith content. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. Isn't that an unbelievable picture of the church today? Drown men in destruction and perdition. We're drowning in it. A sea of 
destruction and perdition. God's people are drowning in it today. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. You know what would be the best thing could happen to most of us? Lose everything. Lose it all. I mean, if eternity is really what it's about and how we fare in this life as a preparation for eternity, then probably we'd find one day that we'd be better off in eternity if we learned to trust God today. But see, we're not trusting God like we say we are. You can't live in America and be the Christian God wants you to be in this book unless you make a conscious effort to to push it away. We have more than any country in this world. And as a people, we do. Our economy is messed up. Gas is at $3.30 or 40 cents a gallon. And we're, we're complaining. And I understand complaining about it. But I'm going to tell you something. We got the money to keep buying gas. It's still there somewhere. Everybody put gas in their cars and everybody got here. And everybody will go out tonight and buy an ice cream cone or a sandwich or do something for the most part. And if you don't, you got something in your cupboard at home to eat when you get there. Let me tell you, we are rich and increased with goods today. And I'm just saying we better be extremely careful in who and what we're trusting in. The object of our faith. That's all I'm saying. I'm not accusing anybody specifically. I'm saying in general, we are not, if we are honest, truly dependent upon God for our needs and our futures. When's the last time you gave something to somebody when you didn't have nothing to give? When's the last time you got rid of something that meant something to you so someone else could have something other than your immediate family, mind you? And not your kids. I'm not talking about, ma'am, you sold a piece of jewelry so you could buy groceries for your family. I'm talking about when you've done it to help some other family. I mean, when have we lived without something in order to help somebody? We don't let go of nothing that's ours. It's mine. And I have a right to it. And, and God would never ask me for that. Really? Maybe we're not listening. La, 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 la. God never asked me, preacher. La, 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 la. God hasn't asked me yet for that. I'm not listening. I'm not listening. I'm not listening. And that's exactly how Christianity is today. We're moving so fast and we're so busy with our lives, we can't even hear God's voice. And there's people all around us that have a need of salvation. I'm so excited for these teenagers that went down there and had a chance to see people that live the way they live. And listen, you can say whatever you want. You can say those people are on welfare because they're lazy. You can say they're on welfare because they were in bad up homes and upbringings. I don't care what you say. The bottom line is this. They don't have what we have. And we have it and we can give it. Cody, you said it right. Say it again. How did you say that? It was a blessing to be able to what? To be able to give back. To be able to give back. That was a message right there that young man gave. And we have so much. What are we giving back? Are we giving something back today? I don't like to let go of things that are mine. I'm just going to be honest with you. I don't like to do it. But what if God asked for it? 
when it's all said and done, when you arrive in heaven one day, will the object of your faith be there to lean on? If it's that money, it'll be burned up. If it's a possession, it'll be burned up. If it's a relationship, it'll pass away. If it's self, you'll be alone. Will the object of your faith be waiting for you when you arrive on the other side? The only one that's eternal is Jesus Christ. You say, I'm eternal. Yeah, you're eternal. But if you're without him, you'll be alone. Your object of faith, the object of your faith better be Christ. He's the only one that will meet me there one day. I know, I know what, what we say a lot, and, and I believe that we'll meet our loved ones in heaven. I really do. And we'll know them as they're known. And we'll, they'll know us as we're known. But hold on. Every believer ought to have this insatiable desire to meet the object of their faith before they ever meet the ones they shared their life with. Amen. What's wrong with us today when we'd rather meet a family member than the one who died on Calvary for our sin? What's wrong with us? I'll tell you what it is. We don't have the relationship with him that we claim we have. Hey, listen. I, I know in my life there's a lot of room for improvement here. I know that. But I better start thinking about it. I'm not guaranteed tomorrow, neither you. One day I'm going to end up on the other side. Because that's where every one of us end up because we're all eternal beings. The question is, are you looking unto Jesus? He's the only one that will be there to meet you on the other side. If you don't meet him first, then you'll open your eyes in hell. But if you know him as Savior and Lord, you're meeting him first, whether he was the object of your faith or not. And when you get there and realize that what and who you leaned on is not there to help support you now, you've got problems. Jesus Christ is worth investing your life into. He's worth leaning on and having faith in. Trust Jesus Christ tonight. That's all. That's all I'm saying. He says, looking unto Jesus. Looking unto Jesus. Is he the object of your faith tonight? You know, you know if, you, if you honestly search your heart, you have an answer to that question. Don't just glumly or just quickly say, yep, that's it. Don't just, don't just say yes. We could set a litmus test up here tonight. And we could come pretty close to identifying what or who your faith is in and your trust is in. By what you love most. So before you answer the question, who's the object of my faith? Or what's the object of my faith? Think it through because realize who you're answering to. It's God. And he knows the truth. Father, we come to you. We thank you, Lord, for the time that we had together in this place. Lord, what a blessing it is, Lord, to think about what you've done for us, the price you paid and the investment you made. And yet, Lord, so often in my own life, 
I find myself depending on someone or something other than you, whether it be my own effort or my own abilities or whether it just be people that I love and care about that I trust to give me advice and counsel. Not that that's wrong, Lord. We understand that we need to seek godly counsel and we have others to be there to support us and encourage us. But, Father, help us, Lord, to make sure that you, Lord Jesus, are the object of our faith. And, Lord, knowing that and solidifying that and ensuring that that's the case, Lord, we'll never be disappointed when we get to the other side and you're there waiting. Father, help each of us now. Help each of us to make sure that you are the object of our faith and that we are looking unto Jesus. We'll thank you and praise you for it. In Christ's name, amen. Let's all stand.